0: And we are now live here on KZSU 90.1 FM. My name is Jacob Nidig, joined in studio with my lovely co host, Sax Safran for a special edition of this week's Sports Zoo. Folks, Christmas has come about a month early. It is officially Big Game Week. And not only do we have a preview of this, but we've brought in experts from around campus to give their opinions. We'll do a round table today with four guests besides Zach and I. We'll get the important matchups to watch on Saturday. We'll get score predictions, and we'll talk about what this game means for the Pac-12 and beyond. Zach, how are we doing today?
1: I've been waiting for this week for one, two, 51 weeks, okay, big game week. No better time of the year than now as a Stanford fan. What is it? T minus three days until we get to watch a, uh, you know, rear end whipping uh, of our friends up north. And to celebrate, we have a special episode for our loyal sports Zoo listeners. Joining Jacob and I in the studio is our biggest crowd of guests to date. We have six in the studio to talk big games, Stanford versus Cal, Stanford football, whatever it is. And to preface the, uh, quite frankly, biggest game in all of college sports this upcoming Saturday. So uh, welcome. We have Will Gibson, Daniel Vaughn, Jack Fox, Justin Day-Matson in the studio um, to get us started off. Let me go around the horn, give a little introduction. Um, you know who you are, where you are from, just a little bit about yourself.
2: Uh, starting with you, Will, on the left. Hey, what's up, y'all? I am Will Gibson, born and raised in Dallas, Texas. I am a current junior here at Stanford, and I used to spend my freshman sophomore year on the team. So I am really excited to get to watch my first big game from the stands. Daniel, over to you next. Very nice. Uh, I am a
3: senior from San Antonio, Texas. Big time sports fan. Love watching all sorts of sports. I do not discriminate, so I'm excited to be here and to share my opinions, whether they're good or not.
0: And for those of you that remember, we've had Daniel on the show before. He's our resident soccer expert amongst uh, Stanford football as well.
1: Welcome back, Daniel. We had some, we had some uh, loud fans that really loved you on the episode, so we're glad to have you back. Love to hear it. Love to hear it.
4: Awesome. Uh, my name's Jack from Colorado. I grew up watching Andrew Luck a lot, so excited to you know talk about Cal Stanford today.
5: And uh, I'm Justin D. Mattson. I grew up in Mountain View, so I've been a Stanford fan most of my life. Um, And yeah, i got a lot of friends who were on the football team, used to be, so I've got some uh, insider tea if we need that.
0: Absolutely. Justin also heavily involved with the Stanford Sports Analytics Club in his earlier days, so bringing the analytical perspective on that side of the roundtable as well.
1: And for uh, those of you that have kept up, uh, you know, Jacob and I have talked a little bit about our flag football team. Um, Will and Justin, both members of, uh, you know, a team that, you know, it, it may have fell short of its potential, but uh, we talk about memories, we talk about performance, it was all out there on the field.
0: No, absolutely. And so I guess before we jump into big game, Let's go ahead and and just, what were y'all's expectations before the year? We've talked a lot about the trajectory of Coach Taylor's program. Justin, why don't we start with you. What were you looking for out of this year from Stanford, and, and where have they fallen short of that?
5: Yeah, you know, I think with the, the new coaching regime and sort of this new influence with the NIL collective, uh, first thing I wanted to see was good recruiting. Um, I think we've done that well. Um, starting back to last year. And I obviously wanted to see uh, Coach Taylor's offense that he used at Sacramento State. Um, I think we've done a good job of that. Uh, you know, I'd heard some things about this uh, kid from Canada who's a wide receiver who blew his knee out but was supposed to be a stud, and so it's really been cool to see Alec uh, pop off. Um, I think my big you know, sort of disappointment... You know, I think the defense has struggled a little bit, and also uh, the running game. I'd like to see that sort of improve over the next couple years of Coach Taylor. Uh, I think we've seen he showed a propensity to sort of trust the transfers and the freshmen that have come in. He sort of faded out uh, Casey and EJ, which is unfortunate, but uh, maybe as he continues to rely on what he wants to do, that'll continue to develop.
0: Yeah, and I think that speaks to something that you're really familiar with, Will, which is, you know, the run game. Where has Stanford failed in the run game this year? Is it a scheme? Is it personnel? Where have has things gone wrong, in your opinion?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely tough. I think during my time at Stanford, we really kind of haven't been able to get the run game to a click. I think that's been something we've seen a lot of struggles with, and I think a big part of the problem this year was losing so many starters. I think losing four guys to other programs has kind of really struggled with getting the, the mesh, and especially with considering how Coach Taylor's really been plugging in different players, and Using a lot of different offensive linemen, I think it's been really hard to find that glue, and that also goes with the running backs having seeing a lot. Many running backs take time. It's just really been tough to find the glue that you need in order to get the consistency and really develop a strong run game. You know,
1: uh, Justin, you, you touched up on kind of Troy Taylor's offense that he's bringing from Sac State. You know, they were among the highest scores in the FCS. But something uh, Jacob and I have talked to a little bit about on this show is so far, at least in my opinion, Stanford's offense maybe not as advertised in terms of scheme, in terms of schematics. Um, Daniel, you know, perhaps the eldest in this room, or among, at least among them, um, you saw the offense under David Shaw, which some might say was stagnant at times. I'm curious, do you see a pretty stark difference? And, and, and what does that, you know, flex offense from Taylor that we were promised been like in your eyes, especially compared to what you've seen in the past?
3: Yeah, I will say the main difference that I've seen, this is not by any means a technical answer, Zach, but from just the audience and a more casual fan point of view, at times under Coach Shaw, it was very frustrating because he felt that he was not trying to switch up the strategy. He would stick it to the run and the ground and pound offense and really not deviate from that strategy no matter how well or how poorly it was going in any given game or any given season. And so... You know, one play kind of comes to mind against Washington on the fourth down, the trick play that we ran mm. when um, the receiver, Bachmeyer, I believe, got to throw the pass. You know, obviously... It hurt. It hurt. That play was tough. The results of the play was tough. But just the fact that we're running a trick play on fourth down in like a <laughs> game time situation is much more entertaining from just a casual fan's point of view. And I'm, I'm all here for it, regardless of the result.
1: Love it. Yeah, I love it. And so, Jack... You talked a little bit about watching Andrew luck. I'm sure you're a fan for the Christian McCaffrey era. Um, I'm curious for you. Um, this is your second year on the farm. Um, having been associated or at least a you know fan of it for so long, it's, it's got to be disappointing though to come here watch a well over last year three and nine team this year currently sitting at uh, a, a nice three and seven. Yeah, completely. I mean, again, this is a program that, you know, especially
4: under Harbaugh and David Shaw, pride itself in the trenches, right? I mean, they really ran the ball effectively throughout both of those eras, um, and that was really the identity of the football team. So I think going back to what Will was saying, which was really an inability to, to mesh offensively as far as running the football, you know, being effective in pass protection, you know, has really been kind of the... Some, something that's debilitated the offense, it feels like, for the past, at least as far as I've been, been on the farm so far. So, um, But with that being said, I think explosively on offense, we haven't seen at least kind of the end of the Shaw era, you know, the ability to really throw the ball effectively down the field. Um, and I, I feel like that's really changed. Um, what, what one of the one of the main things Taylor has brought to the offense has just been explosive plays down the field, mm-hmm. um, and that's also been unlocked by, you know, Alec and, and Tiger, um, kind of with the wide receiver core. I feel like that's definitely been a strength so far this year.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, without further ado, let's go ahead and jump into the reason we're all here, which is big game. And I think this is a really interesting year for a lot of reasons. I mean, off the dome last year in the Pac-12. Of course, we'll still have them in the ACC, but last year here, two teams that are really struggling. Cal with one more win, still bowl eligible, but Stanford obviously no longer bowl eligible. Throwing it to you first, Daniel, what do you think could be uh, like an important matchup or series of matchups to watch in deciding the outcome of this game?
3: Yeah, I know we've spoken a lot about Alec, and I think he's definitely going to be key, somebody that we're going to need to rely on if this game goes well. But I think more generally, Cal loves to run the ball, and I think time of possession can be something that's could be a big-time issue. If Cal is able to jump out to a, a lead and then run the ball effectively, all of our possessions are going to matter a lot, and we probably might not have as many of them as we want in order to— have the outcome that we would like and so I'm just thinking that stopping the run is going to be first and foremost uh their Cal has a very effective run game and they love to rely on it so I think that's going to be kind of first and foremost uh in my mind in this game
0: yeah Will where where do you stand on on some of those points or do you have anything else that you think could decide the outcome yeah no I
2: think definitely seeing that Cal's been a really strong strong running offense as the running backs have been averaging a lot of yards and that's, I think, definitely going to come down to our defensive line's ability and, and linebacker's ability to plug the holes I think look for big games from Anthony Franklin, Jackson Moy, Tobin Phillips. I mean, just really dominating the line of scrimmage and kind of doing their part to stop this run offense, so giving us the time. Yeah, and so do y'all have faith that
0: Stanford can stop the run? I mean, last week, Oregon State, similar, heavy on the ground. They have a running back that was coming into the game, averaging a lot of yards, averaging efficient running yards getting the ball in the end zone he has four touchdowns Oregon state runs all over us is there hope in y'all's minds that stanford can stop the Cal run game i'll throw it to you first justin
5: i mean i think to be frank not really um Ott ran all over us last year damian martinez ran through us uh we saw of utah you know in the past couple of years with their running back tandems they've run through us um yeah like 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 will said um my One of my sleepers of the uh, coming in was Jack Moy. Uh, we need those DTs up front. They're going to have to rotate a lot and get in there. Um, hopefully we can limit them, but to be frank, I mean, Jay Nott's one of the best running backs in the country. He's definitely slept on, and I'm, I'm hoping we stop them, but to be frank, I don't think we can.
1: I'm curious how much how much fire you guys uh, think Stanford has lit under their, you know, behinds, because coming off a, a brutal, I don't know if there's any other way to put it, brutal loss up there in Corvallis. On the other hand, uh, Cal... Um, fresh off a a victory, I think still bowl eligible, right? Stanford's got to have someone to prove. Two straight big game losses. I mean, look around the table, Justin. You you saw the COVID big game win. Am I? Am I? Is that right? I did. Yes. And, and, uh, shout out, Michael Wilson had a great big game there. Player of the game. Absolutely. And and then I don't know about you, Jacob and Daniel. Have you guys been around for a
0: big game victory? Haven't been around. I, I watched that one on TV. Yeah, but haven't been around. Yeah.
1: So I mean, look, you, you look around Stanford campus. None of us. Or very few of us have seen a big game victory. Like it's obviously that it's obvious that we're hungry, but is the team you know really really hungry for this? I on Twitter, um, Jay Not uh, you know leader in Pac twelve rushing stats all across the board. Uh, a Stanford commit decommitted, reopened his commitment, and uh, Jay Knott retweeting that quote, tweeting it, great decision. So you know what kind of inspiration and fight are we going to see from this Stanford team? i uh, i i I'll ask you will first, because um you know I know you've been in that locker room, you know how things operate, how people get you know turned up,
2: yeah, I think I mean realistically, like any time you're playing a rivalry game like this, everyone is fired up. I think this is one of the one week you see this, this campus really transformed into a football school, and everyone kind of buys in, and <laughs> you definitely feel that pressure to come out and perform and just especially with these past past few years, I think that this team is going to come out firing, wanting to. Wanting to kind of win this for our seniors and get them get the axe back, so I think you know that's not a question that they're come kind of fired up. And I think you know this is going to be an opportunity to kind of put together like the, our strong defensive performances with our strong offensive performances to kind of really show mm-hmm. our ability to kind of trend in the right direction going forward.
0: Yeah, I think I agree with that as well because this also feels like a game that the locker room can maybe sense a little bit of blood in the water. You know, heading to Corvallis against a top fifteen ranked team. It's tough to get excited about that playing at home against top 10 ranked teams. No one expects you to win. It feels like this game, the locker room might, could have the possibility to buy in a little bit more and come out with a little bit of swagger that, you know, we actually could win this game without having to play a perfect game.
4: Mm. Yeah, and also I think without being said, you know, Stanford, the Stanford Cal rivalry is viewed you know, at least amongst the alumni, very similarly to the Michigan Ohio State rivalry. I, I put it over, man. I, I, I'm That's talking-
0: a crazy. T- no, t- no, 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 no. I don't. I
4: don't mean that. I mean, I mean in the sense that if Stanford, if, right. I mean, how how long has has you know the Ohio State Michigan game? But I don't. Not, not not even in that sense, but it just you know. How the alumni views it is a Stanford victory if they beat uh, if they beat Cal regardless of the record of the course of the season that's a successful season. Yeah. yeah. In the same way that yeah. you know it's the priority of of the, you know Ohio State and, and Michigan where you know that's the number one yeah. um, expectation of the team every season is to to beat the rival. So again, if you're a player, you know if you're a, co- a part of the coaching staff, if you're able to win this game regardless of the, the the record at the end of the regular season, this will be viewed as a successful season by the alumni. And it should be viewed as a successful season by the players as well. So, you know, I think this is this is a great and easy way to really recover the season and, and end it
1: on a high note. Um, we, we win that game. I'm 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 running on the field. I'm I'm celebrating for months. I'm holding over people's head over there at Berkeley for the full year. I yeah, I, 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 it's going to be a big deal.
0: Yeah, um, bringing it back to the X's and O's of the the Cal run game. You know, last week we've talked about it. Damian Martinez currently ranked number 13th in the country in rushing yards this week Jaden ott 14th he's over a thousand yards we haven't stopped the run yet this year do you change scheme bring backers in on blitzes do you bring secondary guys up justin what are you thinking in terms of defensive scheme to to try to stop the run here
5: yeah, you know, I I don't think you can do anything drastic uh this late in the year. Um but I think what I would do from a from a tactical standpoint is uh I'd bring in as many DTs as I can um in the scheme we have and I, I'd sub them. Um I I think Jackson Moyes is a stud. I've been I've been telling people that I know uh that you know he's he's not a starter, he's not on the depth chart, but man, I I feel like that kid makes plays. Uh so I'd love to see him in there a lot. Um And also Tristan Sinclair. I mean, that kid has wheels for a linebacker. I think him moving side to side uh, can make a difference. And Spencer Jorgensen, oh my God, have you ever seen a player just not care about getting hit like he does? I mean, we can get him moving in there too. I think he can make a difference as well.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Because it feels like with Berkeley's quarterback situation, they kind of have a revolving door. Now one quarterback has settled in, but it feels like if you can stop the run game, you could potentially stop this offense. Daniel... Where do you stand on, on how you would potentially try to stop the run game?
3: Yeah, I think the, as we kind of mentioned earlier, the emotions are going to be running high here on, on this game for both teams. So it's going to be important for both teams to kind of keep their head. And for Stanford, I think it's important to that we attack early on offense in order to, to not fall behind so that they cannot rely on their run game to chew clock further. I also think we do have a chance to turn their fresh their redshirt freshman quarterback over um i'm looking at some stats here and he's thrown eight touchdowns uh in conference games to four interceptions so if we're able to get some early touchdowns um in the early in the first half and turn them into points so that they're not able to just feed the ball to their great running back i think that's probably our best bet
5: also off topic uh just because sort of we brought up the elephant in the room there about the offense performing um ashton daniels is he playing this week what do people think about lamson i mean that that seems to be the elephant in the room from the stanford standpoint
1: now yeah, yeah I, I was gonna i mean day to day right now uh what was it, it was a left left wrist left hand injury uh, seemed pretty severe day of um, I, I i i feel a lot better about ashton under under center at least at least coming into this game talking about rhythm talking about flow especially the way the season has gone um how, does it make a huge impact if if, if number eight's there behind center instead?
4: I, I think so. I mean, he's not an effective passer. I mean, I think he, he really limits what the offense can do. I mean, I'll tell you straight up. I mean, if if, <laughs> if he's playing, I'm hammering the
1: cow money line. straight <laughs> <Yeah>. Stride, <laughs> Jack, Jack Fox, that's his name, by the way. You know, if, if anyone wants to
0: <laughs> at him. <laughs> No, I mean, I completely agree. I feel like Ashton Daniels, as we've mentioned on the show, has taken the leap. His connection with Alec is very clear. And, you know, last week he did struggle, had a few interceptions, but he opens the offense up compared to Lamson um, in a way that I think makes Stanford a threat vertically. I think his ability to, to push the ball down the field completely opens up. Uh, what a secondary has to look for and so i think that that does completely change the way that the game could be played from an offensive standpoint for stanford
2: yeah definitely i think the two complement each other very well i think lampson in terms of like a red zone red zone kind of re- mobile quarterback is a great addition i i think when we see uh when we see daniel's out there this saturday i think it's going to be a revenge game for him i mean kind of coming back from the the freshman mistakes of last year i think he's going to come very dialed in and really deliver
1: I mean, it's funny you say they compliment each other. I, I definitely agree. And I, I was speaking to a uh, uh, Berkeley journalist who who's a beat reporter for the football team, and it, their biggest um, reservation about that Cal defense was their inability to defend wildcat formation. And so, you know, it's not necessarily wildcat and Justin Lampson is a quarterback, but the way he is used in this Troy Taylor offense very much so resembles it. And so I think it would be a huge, huge use for... Uh, Ashton Daniels to be back, not in the sense of, of it's Daniels back. I mean, yes, great passer, dual threat, but the versatility that Lamson would bring as just kind of an off-rhythm off guy and reflecting that wildcat thing could prove super useful against this Cal defense that has struggled against you know runners straight out of the gun. Well, yeah, and you also, going
4: back to last year, it was that Ash and Daniels fumble towards yeah. the end of the game that really sealed it. So you figure, you know, he's going to come into this game if he's going to play. How about that Cardi you know? field goal, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. will <laughs> take <that>. yeah.
0: <laughs> the, the best field goal that didn't mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> keep going jack what were you saying yeah <laughs> no, i just again if
4: you know i assume he's coming in with extra motivation because you know you figure you know they were moving the ball at that point in the drive you know again wildcat formation which kind of was what he exclusively was doing at least in his role in this in the, as a part of the team last year you know fumbles the ball they return it for a touchdown you know stanford's up in the game at that point so you know not that you know he exclusively lost the game but you know that's certainly a turning point that he was responsible for so you know i assume he's coming and motivated and ready to play
1: no, definitely. I mean, we've talked about the quarterback battle, we've talked about Jay Knott, um and, and, and Alec, all the big players really. But as goes with rivalry games as goes with playoff games, these big moments. It almost feels like there's always an X factor. You know, someone who steps up in the times you don't realize. Dante DiVincenzo in the Final Four. Julian Edelman in the Super Bowl. Who is going to be... I hate the Warriors the fans. The red Warriors fans Lester. always find a way to bring it in. Uh, by the way, shout out Draymond last night was at the game. <laughs> uh, also, we can talk about that later. Um, who, who's going to be the guy we're not talking about, no one's talking about, that will make that difference, um, you know, come Saturday?
4: I can I can go ahead. I think it's gonna be Tiger Bachmeyer. Again, if I'm Cal, you know, I'm gonna play I'm gonna have a safety shaded over Ellick the entire game, you know, trying to play a too high look, trying to prevent um, you know, explosive big plays. Big terms. To big, yeah, exactly. Uh you know, so I'd expect Tiger in the slot to have a ton of opportunities kinda of one on one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think he's gonna he's gonna have a good matchup. And the same with Sam Raush. Um, again, he's going to have some good looks against their linebackers. So, mm-hmm. again, I think this game is entirely predicated off of, uh, you know, the wide receivers making a big impact against the Cal secondary, and I'd expect those two specifically to, to need to have a big game if Stanford expects to win.
1: Definitely, definitely.
2: Yeah, great points, Jackson. I think on, on the defensive side, I think someone's going to have a really big impact on this game is Alec E. Gilman. I mean, senior senior safety. I mean, he's been someone that's been making a ton of plays, and I, I think he's going to have a huge role in kind of filling fill the holes, making downfield tackles and someone that really looked forward to make that when we need a moment, make him making a big play. So
3: I've got something that's a little outside of the box, but one thing that I'm really hung up on from earlier in the season is our home game against Arizona when we lost by one point and we missed two field goals that game. And I think given the fact that Stanford's not going to have a lot of offensive possessions as Cal's trying going to try and run the ball and hold the, hold the ball f- for as long as they possibly can, it's going to be important that we don't have any empty drives. And so every single point is going to count all the way from the extra points and field goals to the touchdowns. So I think our kicker Cardi is going to definitely have to step up and every opportunity he's going to have to help the team put,
1: put points on the board. Cardi party, party, I'm, I'm going to be banking on that. Um, but yeah, I want to go back to what you said, Fox, about um, uh, a big game from Sam Roosh potentially because you know you're a sec, not having the season um, that you know, many anticipated. Obviously, you know, injuries and, and setbacks have contributed to that. Um, but you do mention a good point about those Cal linebackers. I know Matthew Sindrick, he's kind of going to be their go-to guy, the quarterback of their defense on Cal, and he's been out um, with a second bicep tear in as many years. Um, that tight end room, you know, are we going to see a lot of throws between the numbers? I feel like from the quarterback room, we haven't seen a lot of um, throws over the middle like that. Is this kind of the coming out party, and, and, and something that we could really turn to this game? Yeah, I mean, it should be.
4: against Stanford's tight end. I mean, I, I'd consider tight end you. I mean, you got Zach Ertz, mm-hmm. Kobe Fleener, um, you know, a couple other guys in the league. Dalton, Schultz is yep. playing really well. I mean, again, you've had a ton of guys come out of Stanford that are killing it in the NFL. You get a Stanford tight end fantasy, you're winning your league. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, again, these guys are, both of them are pretty highly recruited. You know, mm-hmm. they both have skill. So I'd expect, you know, I'd expect the tight ends to definitely show out.
1: Definitely, definitely. Uh, Justin. I'm curious your thoughts here. Um, Home versus away, is that going to make much of a difference? You've seen ebbs and flows in this Stanford attendance. We've talked a lot about the inability um, of Stanford to show out. However, it seems like big game is is the exception. I I personally, for one, think that the stadium would be pretty packed. Is that going to be a contributing factor? Uh, yeah, the, you know the
5: stadium will be packed. It's always packed for a big game, home or away. Um, hopefully, our players um, are used to playing with noise at home for the first time in a while. Um, you know that's that's rare for them. You got to practice that. Sadly, um, but yeah, I think it will be an impact for our players. You know, I think uh, that'll give them that a little bit of extra juice, a little bit of extra fight. Hopefully, it'll wake them up. You know, I think at times, um, you know, I've been critical of the teams. You know, fight to want to win, and so hopefully that that makes a difference for them. Uh, student section should be packed. Um, all of those things should be going Stanford's
2: way. Yeah, I definitely think it's kind of comes down to us students to really be loud. I, I remember, you know, it's definitely difficult when you're back in, backed up in that back-end zone uh, facing the Cal student section and they're banned and students are just being loud. So I think it's really important that us, we get these students, our students to really bring the energy to make it feel like it's not just another Cal home game. Yeah, you know, I think it is interesting
0: because Cal has been notoriously bad on the road this year, and Stanford has been notoriously bad at home. So it's kind of a, a situation of something has to give. Um, and even in years past, Stanford quite bad at home. I think Stanford has lost uh, its last eight home games in November, if I remember that correctly. Um, and they failed to cover the spread in 17 of the last <laughs> 18. So no matter which way you're looking at it, and then Cal, I think, is is maybe 0-5 on the road this year. Um, so it's been a tough sledding for both of the teams either playing away or home. So it's kind of a situation of someone has to perform. Who's it going to be this week? Yeah,
1: well, we touched a little bit on just kind of the state that both of these teams enter um, the game. Like I said, Cal snagging that Washington State victory to remain bowl eligible. Uh, On the other hand, Stanford, it looked like we kind of had a grasp, okay, beat Colorado in that huge victory, slipped up with UCLA, but a a great showing against number 5 Washington, a victory up in Pullman, Washington against Washington State for the first time in who knows how many years. And then we just kind of crumble um against Oregon State. They're a great team for sure, but that kind of throws off the track of momentum we had. Um what do the last few games say about where we should be entering this game? Are we going to be playing our best football that we have so far? Are we on a downswing momentum? Was last year just last week just a spoof, Daniel? What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I think
3: well, it's not ideal coming off of a big loss last week. I think the emotions and just the backdrop of this rivalry game can allow the, the players to kind of flush what has happened up until this point and focus on just being 1-0 this week. And so I think they have every—Sanford players have every reason to be fired up. I'm sure they would like nothing, nothing else than to ruin Cal's bowl eligibility for the year uh, and to get a win in front of the home fans. So I think— they have every motivation and every right to be motivated to, to turn turn around the, the poor result from last weekend.
1: Mm. Will, do you think, you think uh, last week, what should it say about where we're at right now in the season? Again, should we be looking into this too much? Is it signaling something, or again, just an off week happens to the best of us?
2: You know, I think it's just it's a tough matchup. I mean, Oregon State's a great team. The I mean, they, I think they run outside zone better than anyone. And bringing in DJ Ugalele, who's a f- fantastic quarterback, I mean, obviously i mean it's tough to watch that but you 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 can't look past that just sometimes you have off weeks and yeah. i think it's important to just kind of fall back on what you know and then really just focus in and look past that and kind of look at, at this big game yeah. yeah yeah i i heard
1: a uh chuckle over there from uh justin maybe disagreeing with some sort of sentence. no no
2: it
5: was just purely the pronunciation of dj young lay not <laughs> yes that's all sorry <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, off topic. I'll, I'll continue some analysis. I think uh, the only concerning thing for me last week was the three interceptions from Daniels. Um, we need him to be right. He needs to lead receivers with the ball. Um, needs to be you know leading them out into space, not throwing behind them, not throwing in a double coverage. Uh, that that was, I guess, the one thing that concerned me. Other than that, the run, you know, it was going to happen, but three interceptions not ideal.
0: Yeah, it, it seemed like on two of those he really forced the ball to Alec. One of them was in the first. Well, I think the first third down, he's trying to throw a slant. The safety comes up, two guys on him. Another one forces it deep near the the right sideline. Come on, a safety undercuts it for an interception. Where is that line of trying to feed Alec the ball and and get him going versus doing too much and and leading to turnovers? Jack, where do you think that that line could be drawn at?
4: Yeah, I mean I think you got to be smart about kind of scheming things up to get other guys open, right? So you know, when you have him running across the middle of the field, you know, kind of using him as a decoy a little bit to try to get, you know, inside routes, you know, out breaking routes open. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, you really got to be smart about picking your shots during the game, really reading kind of what the defense is giving you. You know, if it's one on one coverage, you know, elix is always a good option, especially over the top. But again, it's it's knowing the difference between, you know, forcing the ball in and, and not um and also knowing when to kind of scheme up plays that uses Alec as a decoy. Um, you know, I think that's going to be integral to um, getting the passing game going.
0: No, absolutely. And so if you had to, you know, drop an offensive game plan, Cal, one of the worst teams in the Pac-12 in defense other than Stanford, Alec, I think, is the obvious answer. Is this a game where Stanford needs to drop an offensive game plan to score 40, to score 20, what kind? What does an offensive game plan look like if we're, we're wanting success against the Cal defense?
2: Yeah, I think you know, it kind of plays in Stanford's hands if it kind of is to, goes to be a high-scoring game. I think if we look back at some of our previous victories this year, most of them have been high-scoring games, and the marquee one being the Colorado victory. And I mean, obviously, this is gonna. I feel like this is gonna turn into a shootout. So I think it's important that we really just. Just kind of Jack hinted that really worked to diversify our offense. Kind of don't get too reliant on one receiver, but really kind of take a diverse approach and, and keep it keep going.
3: Yeah, and I think why that's why again it's important that and well, I guess I'm trying to say is hopefully both of our quarterbacks are are healthy so that we're able to be as dynamic on offense as possible, and so we don't get too one dimensional either forcing the ball to to Alec or say uh, Lamson's the only healthy quarterback. We're not trying to just run it with him every time uh that he's in the game so again i do think it's going to be very high scoring i think the the golden bears come in averaging like 31 around 30 points a game so far this season which is a bit higher than stanford so the offense is definitely going to need to throw out all bunch of different looks to try and get as many points on the on the board as possible
1: I think this is the Troy Taylor offense coming out game. I, I'm expecting big things. We've talked about the offense. We've talked about the matchups. talked about the momentum. Let's stop beating around the bush here. Let's get into predictions, shall we? Um, who's walking away victorious? I figure, look, there's a room full of Stanford students at heart, Stanford fans, even former Stanford players. Let's start off with anyone who thinks maybe Cal might walk away victorious on Saturday. Do we have any takers in the room? Yeah, I think. Ew. Ew. here's the thing.
4: Stanford, as we've talked about, has been extremely sporadic all season. You know, is the team that played number five Washington and number nineteen Arizona come to play today, or you know, is the team that played USC, UCLA, Oregon, and Oregon State come to play? Um, again, Cal's got more to play for. Again, their their bowl eligibility is still in play. Um, you know, and they've played common opponents closer. You know, they lost forty nine fifty to USC, fifty two forty to Oregon State. Um, you know, again, this game is probably going to be a neutral field game. If not, sixty forty Cal, Unfortunately, wow. because our student body sucks. No,
5: that, that's not correct. That's a, <laughs> I, yeah. We will we'll, this guy's, we'll this show. Guy's up. Never seen a home game. This guys, never. a yeah, uh, uh, Stanford big game. That's not what's going to happen. Okay. Okay. Fair enough.
4: Even even so, uh, I think Stanford is. It's plus six, six-and-a-half points. Yes, I'll
1: take shifted, by the way, opened up four-and-a-half, increasing towards Cal. I don't know if that's related to yeah, Ashton Daniels' well, injury. When I hear
4: if Lamson is in street clothes, it'll be five-and-a-half points. So, we'll see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, our third-string quarterback
5: is... Ari <laughs> positive. Yeah. No, I'm
4: I right. No, no, but what I, will, I think it's going to be close. It needs to be like 35-32. I think Stanford will cover, but I do
0: think uh, Cal will win the He's game. we a high-scoring game from Jack Fox. Okay. Yeah, just a quick note about fans. Uh, tickets are going for $70 lowest right now. So, that that's pretty crazy for a, a game that is uh, a 4 and 6 team and a 3 and 7 team. Yeah. Shout, out, shout out Palo Alto. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, uh, you know, in the final year of the Pac-12, it's over 100 years together for these two schools in some sort of conference. Um I, I, I do expect big things. I guess this is just my opportunity to go forth with it. Um, I, I really do think Stanford has an opportunity here. Um, you know, a lot of ups and downs in the this, in this season, but uh, they've shown time and time again that they do have the potential within them. Cal, I think, matches up well. If we can get the offense... Clicking specifically through the air. I mean, this Cal defense, I think, is second or third worst in the league with her in the conference with, with uh defense in through yards through the air. Um, there's a real opportunity here, okay? But Stanford fluctuating, you know, against decent teams, not putting out much more than twenty. Cal's offense, I really do think that we can sputter them. I think we can get Mendoza as a red shirt freshman to really, you know, fall short in his tracks, especially in a rivalry like this. Um, but it'll be close. It'll be close And so Why don't we go ahead And and take Stanford In the big game The 126th big game 27 to 20 Last year's score We'll just flip it
2: (laughs) Will do you next What do you got Yeah so I'm I'm taking the same side as Zach I think Stanford Walks out victorious In this last Pac-12 battle I think Personally I think um, It's going to be A little more high scoring I think that plays To our favor I think we're going to Really kind of Watch the Stanford offense click this year and they put it together. I'm thinking, uh, let's see, like Stanford 31, Cal 27. I there think.
1: There you go. A close yeah. one. A close yeah. one.
2: Close one. It's going to be a fight to a finish. Maybe a big defensive touchdown to cap it off.
1: Oof. <sighs> Bold take.
2: Could be good. Yeah, I'm going to
3: agree with you two. I'm going with the Stanford win. Zach, I really liked what you said about trying to force some turnovers out of the Golden Bears quarterback. This is by far the biggest game of his career so far I believe he's a redshirt freshman and so he just recently kind of got control of the QB room I think his first start was like a couple weeks into this season and so this is going to be the most heated game that he's going to have to play in so far this season so I'm taking Stanford by a score of 34 to 27
5: there you go uh yeah, I guess as a uh, as a Stanford fan, someone who loves Stanford football, it's 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 logically does not make sense. But I am taking Stanford. Um, one thing we haven't touched on, which I I will touch on now, is running backs. I think running backs could be an X factor. Uh, you know, I think Casey's out. Um, EJ had some nice looking cuts a couple weeks ago. Maybe we get something from him. And then also, uh, you know, the the transfer from Princeton, the true freshman. Maybe they can get us something. But one of those guys, if they can get the ball moving for us down the field of their legs i think that could be huge for offense uh final score prediction i'll take
0: stanford by a touchdown i'll go 35 28 there you go and to close up the score prediction taking stanford 38 34 i think the stanford offense uh, has a few tricks up its sleeve i think this is a time whenever we see the creativity that taylor has been heralded to do and also the cal defense is really really bad i think you could put Lamson back there, you could put Patu back there. And if Daniels is back there, it's definitely gonna be a movie in the secondary. So I'm excited for them to, to let it loose and I think Stanford comes away. I think, you know, in the third quarter it, it stays relatively close, but Stanford opens up maybe a two touchdown lead in the fourth quarter and Kyle makes it close at the end, but Stanford pulls away uh, pretty decisively.
1: So Jack Fox versus the world, you know, we'll see come Saturday uh, if it's Stanford or Cal in this big game, but I, I want to go back to what you said, Justin. Logically, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you're the only person in this room who has seen a big game victory. Recent years, it's been a different story from what historically has held true. I mean, this is not the same Stanford program that kids like you and I, Jack, grew up watching. Um, in in the grand scheme of things, you know, where do we sit? This is the first year of the Troy Taylor era. Um, Are we going to reach the heights that we once knew double-digit victory win seasons, potentially? Or are we talking about a ceiling of seven or eight wins down the road? What does this season, in the grand scheme of turning things around, really mean, and where are we in that stage?
2: Yeah, I think, like, the the factors that Coach Taylor has implemented with his new re- regime has just been a step in the right direction. I think they, he's had this team working really hard and you know, I think something that hasn't really been mentioned is we lost over 25 seniors last year. I mean, that's really tough. That's all your leadership, all, almost all your experience. I think that's something that doesn't really just go over lightly. And so I think getting this W here is going to be huge for just for the morale and really kind of give that high spirits of going into this new this new era at the ACC. I think I think the, the way Coach Taylor has this this team going is going to be a very bright future, and we'll see these as we go on. Am oh, I up? Sorry.
3: Yeah, I think, again, this is our new coach's first season, so <clears throat> got to give him a little time to implement his his plan and obviously get his recruiting going over the next couple of years. But there is... Definite cause for excitement. Again, I I'll, I'll said it earlier in the in the show. I think just from the fans' point of view, the trick plays in the more dynamic offense is much more fun to watch. And so, regardless of the the results, it's a much more fun watch than the last couple of years of Coach Shaw's offense. So, I'm personally think there's great reason for all Sanford fans to be optimistic come come the ACC next year.
0: And so, I guess that begs a the question then. Let's say we do lose against Cal. We lose against Notre Dame. We finish the year with three wins. Where does the team go from here, and what what would expectations be in the following year or two? After a three-win first year, what do you think about year two? Where, where can he go from there?
3: Yeah, I think again, back-to-back three-win seasons under this hypothetical scenario is not the not the most ideal. Obviously there's no in terms of record there would be no tangible improvement for <clears throat> from coach Shaw to coach Taylor. And but again, I think it takes a while for for a coach's regime and mindset to kind of permeate throughout the team. And so again, coming off a season where we lost a lot of our older guys as well as lost a lot of talent to the transfer portal, not regressing is in some ways can be seen as a minor win
4: yeah and also um i think going forward so stanford currently is the 23rd best recruiting class in the nation um you know there was an interview that condoleezza rice did with andrew luck and somebody um with the hoover institute and she basically said that it's a it's a priority of um the board of trustees to hire a president that cares about football and, and makes it a priority with the new administration um, so what does that mean that means probably means we are back, means baby. We're back. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so so you know like more involvement in the transfer portal like we had six transfers this year that's more than at any point um in stanford's football history um you know and also being more more involved in the nil obviously will can kind of speak to that i've talked to you a little bit um but again i think i think it is looking up um you know and again there's there's Still a lot that's compelling for for you know any athlete to come to Stanford that's you know doesn't have really anything to do with just you know kind of the the quality of the academic institution but also you know all the other great things that come with being a Stanford
1: student so all in all, I'm definitely definitely excited for the future of this program you know i'm I'm thinking about sure what well, we could have some really great seasons down the road, and I do anticipate that but Especially under a Troy Taylor tenure. Look, he's hes fresh face. I'd love to have him around for a long time. What does regressing to the mean look like? You know, we could see heights of, you know, potentially a New Year's Six Bowl. Who knows? But and that's, that's a far-fetched aspiration, I know. But kind of you see a lot of teams ebb and flow. What should the standard expectation be? Because I feel like we are kind of far below what one would expect right now. But how high does it get raised to.
0: Yeah, Justin, why don't you... Uh, you've seen a little bit more of the the good old days of Stanford. What do you think about that?
1: Yeah, I think...
5: Um, well, first off, just looking at the schedule next year, 2024, we've got a TCU, Cal Poly, Notre Dame, San Jose State. I could keep going, but really, I think we've got only two wins there where I'm like, dang, we're going to win those. Cal Poly, San Jose State, outside of that, you're talking about... Maybe getting one from Virginia Tech, Wake Forest, or Syracuse. Um,
1: I like I liked those, by the
5: way. Yeah,
0: I think that's five wins right yeah. there. <laughs> five
5: wins. all right. You guys have a little bit more confidence than I do. Um, I think it's, it's an important time for uh, the university at large and the football team to really turn into a meritocracy where we're fighting, we're earning things, we're winning. Uh, we need to get good recruits, we need to push them, we need to win. I mean we, we got to put money where our mouth is we've got to fund the program, we've got to get the NIL money and I think this is a turning point for us and if we execute on those things at a super high level, I think we can return to, you know, maybe not the 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 level we were once at um, but I think, you know, 10 wins is, is are things we can do maybe 25, 26 and onwards especially once that, you know, first Troy Taylor class is, you know, sophomores juniors. I think that's
2: what I'm waiting out for and I, what I'm optimistic for. I mean, I think, you know, like the jump between a first a coach's first year and second year is is huge. And I think that's something we're gonna see next year. I mean, there's obviously a lot of uncertainty just with we're no longer gonna be in the Pac twelve. I mean, joining the ACC gonna be a big change, but I think there's no reason not to have immense optimism for the future of this team. I mean, the changes that have been in placed with under Troy Taylor have been huge and I think he's gonna to continue to develop his culture and his way and the future is very bright for Stanford football, and I, I think, see, there's no reason why they can't get back to like the glory days of Rose Bowl victories.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, and Daniel, you've seen some tr- tremendous college football coming from Texas, right? Isn't that right? You've seen a lot of non Pac 12 football um, throwing up the long horns. How about a horns down on it? Yeah, okay, Hands over down. there. Shout out K1. What a weekend. <laughs> Way to come back, boy. But, um, you know, this is going to be a whole different look playing in the ACC. The travel is one thing, sure, but just the potential aptitude of these teams, it's a different pedigree, really. Playing in the ACC, is it going to bode well for our football program? Or is it going to make things tougher? You know, uh, as of late, Clemson, not looking like their former selves, but North Carolina, Duke, those programs on the up and up, um, is this something that we should kind of be concerned about? Is this something we should feel really good about going into the conference?
3: Yeah, and Louisville as well, having a really good season yeah. this, this year. I think I'm I'm really loving the optimism that I'm hearing, generally in this table. You know, maybe except for one <laughs> w- one member here, but I do I would stress patience. You know, adapting to play under a new coach, as well as adapting to play in a brand new conference against brand new opponents that we've never played before. Or Maybe we've played some of these schools. Maybe some of our non-conference <laughs> games are going to be repeats, but. It's going to take time before we're able to get back to what Stanford football once was, or what we're now calling the glory days. So I think it will happen, but there's definitely going to be bumps along the road, and the road is going to be very long and very winding. So again, if next year or even the year after that isn't immediately back to the successes that we're hoping for, I would not think that that's an immediate cause for concern.
0: So I feel like we've kind of accepted it's going to be a long road, but... I'm wondering if that is something we actually should have to accept. I mean, Washington, new head coach in 2022, Kalen DeBoer, he's 21 and 2. Lincoln Riley's 18 and 7. Dan Lanning at Oregon, 19 and 4. Three programs that are significantly ahead of Stanford, yet those coaches are in their second year. It doesn't feel like we're going to make that jump. Why could those programs? make such a quick turnaround, but we've had, it seems like we're in consensus that we have to settle
2: for uh, a slow trajectory. Yeah, I'd love to touch on that. I think part of that comes down to just like the buy-in of the, the the school administration to the football program. I think look at Oregon, Washington, those are two programs that have, I mean, USC as well, historic programs that have seen a lot of previous success and the administration at these places is is committed to seeing that. And like, Another example, would be like TCU going to the national championship with uh, their first year with a new coach. I think st- when as Stanford starts to use the NIL and really ha- has an administration that is really committed to seeing the success, that's when you got the can start to expect a s- faster growth. But as these are still kind of being put in place, I think you have to understand that it takes time to really implement a new culture and implement a new like new kind of head coaching regime.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, with that, feels like that's a pretty good end of our big game preview. Does anyone else have want anything else about big game before we jump over to another sport here on the farm?
1: Well, uh, I guess one thing, you know, we're talking about the, all this history, Stanford and Cal in the grand scheme, especially at the professional level, producing a lot of great talent. Um, before today's show, Justin uh, brought up a good point, a little critical of a uh, student-published article earlier, outlining some of the... Uh, Best football players um, of all time from Stanford and Cal. I, I would love to just kind of open up this di- discussion a little bit about the best players. Because, you know, we think about the greats. Um, I, I, you know, for me personally, what comes to mind is Christian McCaffrey, Andrew Luck. Um, but we're seeing a lot of different faces on this article. Uh, just just to read up and down the list, starting off with number one, the greatest player of all time between these two schools, um, Aaron Rodgers. Number two, ahead of John Elway and ahead of uh, Tony Gonzalez at three, Richard Sherman at four, before John Lynch at five. I'm I'm waiting until we get to, where is he? Where is he? Andrew Luck at nine. Uh, Justin, I know you had some strong thoughts on this one.
5: Uh yes, uh, Kevin Jing, I am sorry to do you like this. <laughs> I hope when you publish this at two A.M. you were a little sleep deprived. Um, <laughs> I gotta start off with a couple names that don't aren't even in the honorable mentions or aren't ranked on the list. Jim Plunkett, one of Heisman, was the number one pick and played fifteen years in the league. And he's an honorable mention over I apologize, Alex Mack, David DeCastro, <laughs> don't, don't just Who just I, say love, no, just, I love offensive lineman. I love these Castro. guys. David but Castro. Even then, Toby Gerhardt, second in the Heisman. I've
1: was, also heard he's a disgusting uh, intramural flag football player in his GSB days. He was very good. We, we played against him. Uh, <laughs> we were like
5: fanboys, and he just cussed us out. But that's a different, <laughs> different discussion. Um, you got that dog in you, you got that dog in you. <laughs> um, but, but following that, another name that surprised me that's not even an honorable mention or listed here, Zach Hurts. Guy's a stud. All pro, won a Super Bowl. Mary Juliets too, you know. Exactly. Women's soccer. Um, I support them. I love women's soccer. Um anyway is a huge fan of women's soccer as well. Yep. Love to hear it. Um but also we get into the actual list, right? Christian McCaffrey, I think, uh, like, you know, we can nitpick knack all these other ones, but one that i really like to open up the floor to is K- Christian McCaffrey at 12 versus Marshawn Lynch at 7. I personally think Christian McCaffrey, between his college contributions, second in the Heisman, I believe he still holds the, uh, or he did at a time, hold the all-purpose all yards. I think Bryce Love might have got him there. Not Another sure. Another guy who's, why is he not on this list? Exactly. Um but do we think that McCaffrey's already surpassed Marshawn Lynch in in totality?
2: Yeah, I think kind of you touched on this. But what is th- how are we ranking these players? I mean, it's are we all contribution
0: from NFL all levels of career?
2: Yeah, okay, that's. Dude, I, I, Aaron Rodgers must have had the
1: most outrageous high school career. or Something <laughs> <laughs> I say, Like, when's the last time Aaron Rodgers has run any
4: won anything? Like, his, he won the Super Bowl in 2010. Like, quickest Achilles recovery, pretty, and it's pretty just pretty sure perpet-
1: won
2: MVP like. Two years ago, like,
1: yeah, like yeah. four <laughs> times. Okay, yeah, but I, but I mean, no, but
2: I mean, like he's been he's been bad in the playoffs for three consecutive seasons. Won yeah. the MVP. He, does he get points
5: for his political views at all? Or yeah, no, he would, gets
3: points for his darkroom therapy.
5: Though yeah. <laughs> I am doing that is. over Thanksgiving. I'm very excited. <laughs> i will be locking myself in a room for 48 hours no light i'm bringing snacks though so don't worry i can report back maybe if zach and jacob will have me back i think
0: we definitely need an
5: update on that (laughs) we need a whole episode we might
0: even have to to call you in and you just have to listen to us or something i don't know what the rules are but i'd love a 24-hour update as well what is the motivation for your dark light therapy
5: I think just a uh, clarity of mine um, being, you know, first principles thinking, all of these things. I want to, you know, view the world a different way. We- wean myself off the devices a little bit. Um, I think it's important to get in touch with yourself, and Roger seemed to love it. Um, I think Bill Belichick's done a little bit of sensory deprivation as well. <laughs> um, but, yeah,
0: we can unpack it another time. So, in other news... So, back to uh, Marshawn Lynch and Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> <laughs> no, it it is interesting, though. It seems like, in my opinion, they should definitely be closer. Like, it, they're very valuable. Marshawn's NFL career, in terms of link, definitely a lot stronger. I mean...
4: Rings, though. Yeah, it does have a Super Bowl.
0: Yeah. Um, but he also has 85 rushing touchdown to McCaffrey's 47... Um he's, young man Cmac No and that's what I No I I completely agree McCaffrey will likely surpass that if he stays healthy but I do think there is some reason to to potentially herald Marshawn Lynch over McCaffrey I don't know
5: PPR why, running back how many years in a row one my fantasy team matters and should be reflected in these rankings I'm sorry how
1: how long when was the last time C-Mac stayed on the field for you know enough to warrant uh playoff time he had three hundred points so many times. That man's
5: a beast.
4: Also, it feels like Richard Sherman is such revisionist history. Like he was a solid college player, but wasn't good enough to stay as a wide receiver. You I don't know. He was he was good, but he wasn't great. I mean, obviously he's he's an all, he's an all pro at the NFL level, but his college career was. You know,
2: exactly. left left a little to just as we have touched on. This is total contributions to the sport. Are we not are just we're talking college.
1: about media? Contributions? No, no, yeah. but that's, but that's, yeah. but that's what I mean. It's a like a sorry in.
2: receiver like grab.
0: Got to love it. Uh, well, yeah, I think nickname definitely goes in because beast mode is definitely better than CMC or C Mac or anything else that you got in there. Like, give it time, give it time. We'll and he hasn't stolen a uh, trainer car either yet. Yeah. Like I, I got to see him driving around the field with a trainer car, and then I'll be ready to to move him up on that list.
5: Yeah, I guess just in conclusion, Jim Plunkett. You know, <laughs> that, that I mean, this just it made no sense to me. Um, yeah, I was just shocked when I read this. It, it seemed like a non-football fan wrote it, and and we got to represent Stanford a little bit better. Captain, yeah, please <laughs> to <the> soccer, please. <laughs> Yeah, Unacceptable
1: list. Speaking of soccer, it's big game week. Yes, big game, but a lot of big games on the farm. Stanford, both men and women's soccer in the College Cup. Women playing Friday and Sunday at home and men also playing Sunday at home. Um, you know, I don't know how well versed this crowd is in women's soccer, but uh, a big contender uh, knocked out of the field. So Stanford If they continue to play, we'll be at Kagan Stadium until they make it to Cary, North Carolina. Um, For anyone that has kept up, is this a title team that we're watching right before us?
0: No, absolutely. This team is looking really poised to make a deep run. The thing is, they do have some teams that could stand in their way. I know some some teams eliminated, but they still do have South Carolina, Brown, Mississippi State still in there. And so, you know, I I think it's important to just take one match at a time. As we've seen in past years, whenever we start looking ahead, um, with with some of these sports, things crumble really quickly. So I think this is a team that looks to me poised to make a deep run. I think Jasmine Akey is one of the best midfielders in the entire country. Yeah. Um and so I think that she is definitely someone the senior play of Maya Doms too is someone that is something that I think could really propel the team forward and you know we have history in the postseason we've made it 25 of the last 26 years many of these players have been here before and i think that bodes well for stanford
1: how about that so on the farm a lot of good games going on men's and women's basketball also well underway. Stanford men's basketball started the year off 2-0. and I know we'll recap that next time on The Zoo, but a tough loss against Santa Clara last night. Top 10 upset by women's basketball against Indiana recently as well. Um, taking it quickly off the farm in just a few minutes up north. We touched on this earlier um, in the episode before we close out. How about Draymond Green and Rudy Gobert? I mean, what was going on in Chase Center last night? Warriors versus Timberwolves gave it about 90 seconds or so before we had three ejections any spectators last night
5: yeah I watched that game um, my first take I have a small conspiracy theory that you know the NBA has their new resting rules I haven't seen this on Twitter this is a pure Justin thought here um, <laughs> oh, we love maybe, those <laughs> maybe because Steph wasn't playing Clay and Draymond got suspended. I mean, ejected, so they wouldn't have to play and they could rest.
1: That's not a conspiracy. Rudy Gobert's been tweeting about that all day. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah.
0: Oh, I gotta, I gotta spend more time. I gotta up yeah, my. You X and Rudy time. should uh, hang out sometime. Then maybe you should invite him over to the the dark sesh over Thanksgiving break. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, but we got to start with McDaniel's. I
5: mean, McDaniel's grabbing Clay's jersey and Gobert did touch Clay. He shouldn't be doing that. So Draymond, that's the teammate you want. Um, it's gonna cost him probably a million dollars. I feel bad for him, but that's what he's there for. He's there to stand up for his guys. Um, I think the Timberwolves are soft. Uh, TLDR, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Bay Area fans out of there. I have no reason why Draymond put him in. A, can like explain why he put him in a headlock? I swear, like Draymond just wants to cause trouble every single game. And this was a perfect example where, yeah, maybe you come in, but the headlock was just. Crazy! That was the the pictures from every angle are just ridiculous, and it's also so funny because Gobert is so much
3: taller than him, but Draymond still has him in the headlock, so Gobert's like almost sideways. And it's
5: ridiculous that Clay got ejected too. I mean, that was crazy. I don't really know what Clay did wrong, to be frank. Um, and I thought Go- what Gobert did was worse than what Clay did by holding on to the jersey for that long. But, I mean, the Warriors are used to the rest being against them. They, <laughs> they fight through adversity. Oh, the poor my, Warriors. My Lord and Savior, <laughs> Stephen Curry, has done so much for the
2: game of basketball, and he'll continue to fight against all adversity, except for ankle injuries, but hopefully, none of those. Also, shout out to men's and women's cross country as they go to national championship this oh, weekend. Kyle Robinson, won. what a stud. Cole Sprout, Rob, Rob Dionato.
0: yep. Yeah, no, we've touched on them after they won Pac 12s. Crazy performance from, from both of those teams. The Australian runners that we recruit to the farm are, are absurd and so quick. Um, with that, we have just about a minute left. Any other teams, players, friends, family you want to give a shout out to uh, here on the Sports Zoo?
3: Shout-out to San Antonio Spurs.
2: Wimby the GOAT, for real. <laughs> Tell me about it. Tell me about it. i like to follow that up with shout-out to Dallas Maps.
3: Oh, Luca. Oh. No, yeah, I'll say yeah. <laughs>
2: I'll
4: say, yeah, I'll say shout-out Sixers. Don't even need Harden. He's a bum. You can see what he's done with the Clippers. They now suck because they can't figure out the rotation. So, yeah, yeah like, I like Maxi. I like
0: Rett. Uh, it's too bad the East runs through Boston. But, uh, yeah, go Sixers. Woo! Yeah.
1: And so uh, with that, you've been listening to the Big Game Preview here on KZSU Stanford 90.1 FM. As always, it's the Weekly Sports Zoo. My name is Zach safran joined by my co-host Jacob Nideg, and our lovely guests, Will Gibson, Daniel Vaughn, Jack Fox, and Justin D. Mattson. 3.30 kickoff on Saturday. Show up. And as we always say on the zoo, stay late, wear red,
0: go card.